Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Today, we're discussing education in Illinois and the obstacles that stand in the way. Joining me is labor expert and staff attorney from the Illinois Policy Institute, Miley Smith, who studied these issues closer and in more detail than anyone else I know. Miley, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Oh, it's so nice to talk with you always. How are you today? I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful day right now. So, <laughs> so far, it's a great day. Miley, so many people associate the Illinois Policy Institute with our presence in Chicago and Springfield, but where are you located? I am actually in central Illinois. I grew up in central Illinois, came back here later on in my life to raise our children. And so we are definitely, um, my husband and I both born and bred right here in the middle of Illinois. And talk to me about your expertise and what it is that you do here at IPI, because I think a lot of people don't have the clearest understanding of what exactly it means to be a labor expert and to do our staff attorney work here. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because my son just asked me that today. He sent me an email as part of his (laughs) career's homework. Um, What is it you do? So in this role at Illinois Policy, I am constantly watching what is going on between the unions that represent state and local workers. So between those unions and those government units. So we're we're watching those contracts that happen between state workers and the, the state of Illinois. We're watching contracts that happen between teachers unions and their school districts, between local government workers. We watch them to see, you know, are these contracts benefiting the members? Are these contracts benefiting those people in those communities? And and what do we do about it? What what happens when those contracts cost taxpayers a lot of money? And we, we keep taxpayers and residents of Illinois informed of what's going on. And another part of it is talking with workers and giving them the information that they need to exercise their rights. So if someone is a teacher or a state worker and they feel like their union is not representing them well, then they call us or email us and we talk them through what their rights are and what their options are. They don't have to be a union member and we lead them through that process. All right, so Miley, when we talk about labor policy and you're our labor expert, we really distinguish between private sector unions and public sector unions. Is that right? That's right. There is a big difference (laughs) between the two. Private sector unions are are unions that represent workers in the private sector. So, you know, I'm in central Illinois. So UAW at Caterpillar. That's not what we're really talking about most of the time at Illinois Policy Institute when we're talking about unions. What we are talking about is public sector unions. Public sector unions are the unions that represent state and local government workers. And they're really completely different entities from the counterparts in the private sector. Public sector unions have a monopoly over their services. When public sector unions sit across the table from the employer, they are sitting across the table from someone they helped elect. And those government unit leaders are beholden to them many times for their position. So they are much more likely to give the public sector unions what they want. 
That's not the case in the private sector. Uh, in the private sector, when unions walk out on strike, the consumer can just go somewhere else or they can get a product somewhere else. Not so with the public sector. In the public sector, when teachers walk out or other workers walk out, you can't just take your student, your child to another school that is not on strike. You're stuck. And that gives government worker unions, public sector unions, outsized power. They're much more powerful in many ways than private sector unions. You described this in a really funny way the other day because, and we not too long ago uh, observed Labor Day, the national holiday that gives us all an extra day off. Right. Which is awesome. Um, but I, what you said was really funny because your point was that you know, these government union monopolies that you just described are not what people think about when they think about labor unions. I mean, I think people still have this idea in their head that um, that when you talk about unions, you're talking about um, groups that are fighting against oppression by, you know, wealthy employers who would have children work at textile mills in bare feet right. for 15 hours a day or and coal miners or yeah. <laughs> well, how did, it's I like can't that. remember what you called it though. You said it in a funny way. What did you call it? You said it was like, these are, these aren't your grandpa's. These, yeah. This is not your grandfather's union. Yeah. This is not what we think of when we're, we talk about labor union or labor strife or, you know, the bottom line is government worker unions are not what unions were meant to be. That's not why unions were started. There were, there, in fact, early union leaders came out against public sector unions. FDR, the president who supported labor unions, came out against public sector unions. So no, these are not your grandfather's unions. This is not what unions were supposed to be. When people think about our work as a think tank, I th- I imagine that they assume that a lot of what we do is sterile. You know, we're, we're reading statutes, we're crunching data, we're doing all of this, this magical stuff in Excel on our computers or whatever it is, but you do end up providing so much emotional support to teachers, to state workers. I mean, what's that like for you? And, and what does it look like? You've been doing this work for how many years at IPI? I have been at IPI for five and a half years. And really for about the last three and a half to four, I have had near constant contact with government, state and local workers here in Illinois who need information about their unions and how to exercise their rights. And and it really is, it can be an emotionally tolling position sometimes because workers will call in and they feel trapped. They feel trapped between a union that isn't representing them well, that is pushing for things that they don't like, and an employer who under state law can only work with that union. That employer can't, there's actually a gag rule in Illinois that forbids employers from talking with employees about union membership if they're a state or local worker. Um, So they, they feel trapped. And we are here to help them understand what what the law is and what laws protect them. Um, We hear from teachers all of the time who feel that, especially at the like state and national level, that their unions are pushing for things that they don't approve of. We hear from workers who comprise one portion of their, their bargaining unit and they are the yard or maintenance workers 
at an entity and everybody else is like a clerical worker and they feel like they're on the outside. They feel like their union isn't representing them because they're representing all these clerical workers and not, you know, the small core group that is taking care of the grounds. And they just want out of their unions. They don't want to fund something that isn't for them. So it can be, it can be emotionally tolling, but at the same time, you work with these people and you email back and forth and you make phone calls and you help them get out of their unions. And then the excitement that you see is so fulfilling. Um, the thank yous, the profuse thank yous, like, thank you. I've been trying to do this for years and the union kept blocking my way out. Thank you for helping me. I had one person one time, all I did was provide a copy of their contract to them. And they were profuse in their thank yous, saying no one has ever given me a copy of my contract before. And that was just like appalling to me that not even their union had given them a, con a copy of their contract. And so people who are in these positions really do at times feel helpless. And it is so fulfilling to be able to come alongside them and help them work through issues that they're facing and help them to feel the freedom that they should have been feeling all along. Well, I feel like I kind of gave away the ending here because we're going to be talking about how do we provide a good education for kids in Illinois and what stands in the way. And I think what we've already established here is that a lot of the time what stands in the way is union leadership that is not necessarily in sync or in step with the needs of a local school district or even in a more granular level, the needs of a specific student or teacher. And you and I have been talking about this a lot. Miley, that's an understatement, but, um, <laughs> you know, let's start with the obvious here, this school year and the previous school year have not been normal. Um, and this was the year when parents and you and I are both parents. I think we all sort of felt like we lost control. You know, we didn't know when our kids were going to be going back to school, what the metrics were. We didn't understand any of what was going on. Um, so this, this topic of education has been top of mind because, you know, as our colleague Orfe Divungi has pointed out, we are working mothers and we care about the economic impact this has had on women. You know, his research found that more than 28,000 mothers are still out of the workforce because of pandemic related job losses and school closures. And so this topic of education has become such a broader issue and the reason I like talking with you about it is that you don't just come at this from the perspective of someone who studies labor, who studies the dynamic between teacher and employer and union. You're coming at this from the perspective of a mom. So what's your take on our kids' education here in Illinois right now and the things that are standing in the way? I feel like the last year and a half have been some of the hardest parenting and the hardest balancing that I have ever experienced. We have three kids, one's in high school and two are in, one is in seventh grade and one is in fifth grade. And so, um, you know, they were, especially the younger two were young enough that they needed constant guidance when schools shut down. And then we have multiple, you know, quarantines or things that happen because of exposure at school. And I don't know how so many people have been doing this over the last 18 months because it's so hard. I look especially to school districts like Chicago Public Schools where those kids were not in school until the spring semester. And I don't know how moms have done it. And so it's not shocking to me 
that 28,000 mothers are still out of the workforce um, because of the pandemic related job losses. And my heart goes out to them. But what we have, have seen in the last year and a half is that you know we, we have a common goal with parents. We want our children to get a good education in a safe and nurturing environment. Um, we, you know, we and parents, we love our teachers. We want them to be in a positive and a safe environment. But the pandemic revealed that there is this common obstacle and it's the teachers unions. When you look back at the last year and a half, people were, were awakened to the fact that it's the teachers unions that are really in charge of district and to some level state decisions. You see that it was in Chicago, especially the teachers union that was keeping kids out of school, even threatening to go on strike if kids went back to school and they, the, the union deemed it wasn't safe yet, which Chicago teachers union was asking for things that were related to like defunding the police things that had nothing to do with, with safety in the school. And these unions, they did not have students or teachers' best interests in mind. And parents were awakened to that last year. Yeah, I think no one would argue that there were, to put it mildly, extraordinary circumstances at play starting in March 2020. And so it's no one is arguing that there wasn't a learning curve for right. what it was going to take to get kids back in school. And everyone's lives were disrupted. And those of us who are fortunate enough to keep our jobs, um, you know, we had other struggles like making sure the kids were able to learn and, and stay healthy. Um, but as the months went on, um, it, it, it did become clear that there was going to be this political power play to take advantage of a terrible situation to try to do things that were on a political agenda that had nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, and that was really frustrating. And um, I, I wanted to go back to teachers, not the union, the teachers, um, because to your point, everyone loves their kids, teachers, you know, you, you're cheering for them. You want them to succeed because right. obviously you've got skin in the game. They're helping right. your kid learn. I'm the child of a public school teacher. I, I watched how hard my mom worked. I, we, we would go out to eat in the small town where I grew up in Ohio and you couldn't walk through the door without a kid coming up to my mom and giving her a hug or a, a grown up that she taught 15 years ago who just couldn't be smiling bigger because she had had such a positive influence on her life. And it was just really cool to see what kind of an impact a good teacher can have on someone's life. But I wanted to share a clip of one of those good teachers, if, if Oman and Kemde, um, who teaches uh, at Chicago Public Schools District. And um, Ifoma's story is, to me, really inspiring because she is someone who started her career, I think, in social work, and she's someone who's just really passionate about caring for the kids that often slip through the cracks. She is she shows up to the classroom, but she also shows up in other places where kids need her, and she meets them where they're at. And what's so interesting to me about her is that she. Um, was formerly active in the Chicago Teachers Union for a number of years. And then in the during the 2019 teacher strike, something 
flipped for her. You know, she saw that the teachers were walking out on the kids and she just couldn't do that to her students. Um, she talks a lot about fear and this fear of actually saying what she thinks and doing what's right for her and for her kids. And I'm going to play that for you now. I, I show up to the parking lot. The stripers are supposed to be in front of the school. I'm in the parking lot. So I thought I was going to just park my car, or walk on in and, and, you know, work. But they got the information I was coming in. They all um, surrounded the parking lot with the picket signs and the moment and the, almost as if to follow me as to kind of barricade me into this parking lot. The things that they were saying, the, the vulgarity, and as I got closer to the stairs to go in, they started um, just, just screaming at me, like, how dare you? And we knew you were a sellout and you were a loser. Like, I respected some of these people. They might not have been my closest friends and, uh, you know, they were my colleagues. So I respected them as brilliant, as intelligent people. The unprofessionalism that I saw displayed was just shocking to me. This is my career. This is something that I chose to do. This is something that I wanted to, to leave a legacy behind. And I want, I want children to be able to be themselves even when they are not agreeing, even when they are not fitting in and conforming to what the expectations are, that you should be able to live your truth. And so I'm, the, here I am faced with my own truth that, hey, uh, you're actually afraid to be yourself and, and to not conform okay, this is a problem. So it became a personal battle that I decided that, and this fear that I had to get rid of. I think she's amazing. And it was amazing to hear her talk about what she went through when she crossed the picket line. It is, and the strength that she exhibited. And what I especially love about her is that now she's willing to come forward and share that experience, not afraid of the repercussions um, and not afraid of, you know, union bullying because she wants to spread the word and she wants to be there for her, her fellow teachers and for her students. And it's really hard to stand up on your own. But you've done some research that shows that more and more people are willing to stand up. Can you talk a little bit about what you found about the number of teachers that are willing to stand up sure. and, and say, hey, I don't feel represented? So I, one of the things I love to do is to dig into the reports that the unions file themselves. So the numbers I'm going to talk about are, are the numbers that the unions themselves have reported to the Department of Labor over the last few years. And what I have found from their reports is that since 2017, over 22,000 teachers in Illinois alone have stopped paying dues or fees to their unions. So 2017 was that last full year before the Janus versus AFSCME decision, which restored the rights of teachers and other government workers to say no to union membership and no to paying dues or fees to the union. Um, and so that's where we, we started tracking and it's over 22,000 teachers at this point that have stopped and said no to union membership. So people who don't like the kind of work that you do, they don't like that you connect with teachers union members and, you know, oh my goodness, you tell them what their rights are. How do they spin this? I mean, what do they say about the work that you do? <laughs> well, you're right. It's not well liked. Um, and, and they talk about how we are trying to bash the union or undercut the union. But in reality, we're here, we're here for those individuals. 
And I am very upfront with teachers and other government workers when I'm talking with them, you know, when they're asking, you know, for advice, I don't tell them what to do. I don't say, oh, you should, you know, I'm not there to persuade. I am there to just present information to them. And I've been very upfront with them. Like if you're happy, if you think you're happy with your union and and the way they're representing you, then just ignore the information that you got from us. But if you don't like the way things are going, then you have the right to opt out of your union. I just keep going back to what it was like for FOMA to walk out of her car and get bullied by her colleagues. And if there's one thing I cannot abide, it's bullies. And I think a lot of these people who reach out to us feel bullied. Yes. And that is a story that we hear from time to time. But I will say the vast majority of teachers that I have talked to and helped them walk through the process do not come back with a story like that. Yes, there are some local unions that are more militant than others. Chicago public schools is definitely one of them, but you get outside of Chicago and a lot of, and especially downstate, um, you know, teachers don't necessarily care whether or not you are in the union or not, and they're not as militant and teachers who opt out don't face that kind of bullying. One thing that I would add to is that a distinction should be made for teachers between what their unions might do after they opt out and what their employers might do. Because under law, their employer cannot treat them any differently than it treats members of the union. So teachers are entitled to all of the same benefits, all, you know, whether it's tenure, health insurance, raises, all of that, they are still entitled to regardless of union membership. So when we're talking about bullying, it might come from the union, but it absolutely cannot come from the employer. All right, Miley, should there be unions in public schools? Well, I want to preface my answer by first saying that I practiced constitutional law for 11 years. So there were constitutional issues that I was litigating on a regular basis. And Our stance at Illinois Policy Institute is to support the Constitution. And under the Constitution, people have a right to associate. And that includes the right to form a union. So if people want to form a union, if they want to join a union, that is their constitutional right. But what needs to be recognized is that people also have a right to not associate with that union and to not join a union. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable. It is. It it is the constitutional standpoint that we all have a right to determine who we associate with. I wish that some of these people, because I know you get a lot of hate mail. We do. I get some from time (laughs) to time, but not as much as you. I wish that people could meet you in a casual setting, like maybe at the ice cream shop in your town and just brush shoulders with you and not know who you are and get to talk with you a little bit. Because I think when they write you those mean notes, they think you're this like mean old fat cat who just wants to, <laughs> um, you know, strike out against the unions, but that's who you are. Like you're a reasonable, nice person. It's, it's just crazy how how this gets totally blown out of proportion to me. 
It, it really does. And the way I look at it though, and I, I look at, we do get a lot of hate mail and I would say people in the office feel that we get a lot of hate mail, but they're not on the receiving end of the emails and the phone calls that we get from people who are thankful, which greatly outnumber <laughs> the hate mail that we get. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's our stance at Illinois Policy Institute to take that reasonable route. We want to provide facts. Teachers, other workers, they feel like they're not getting facts. So I want to provide them the facts so that they can make their own decision, the decision that's best for them and that's best for their family. And it's worth repeating, when you get a phone call from a teacher who's trying to figure out what to do, you don't tell them do this or do that. I, I mean, that to me just says it all. You're just informing people. Right. We don't make the decision for them. We don't push them. To, you know, we don't say, oh, well, you should do this. Um, it's in your best interests. No, it's up to them to decide if it's in their best interests or not. I wonder if that's how they're treated by their union leadership. <laughs> I, from what I see coming out of the unions, whether it's flyers or, or blog posts, they definitely are, are told by the union what the union wants them to do to the point of voting. And that's actually something we hear from teachers and other workers a lot. Like they don't want to be told who to vote for, but the unions even tell them who they're supposed to vote for. EFOMA actually says that too. I wonder if that's where we are. I mean, the public image is that we collaborate, we talk with our teachers, and, and then we're speaking for our teachers because this is what they want us to do. And in reality, it's not. We are told what to do. We're told where to show up. I am confident that opting out was the right decision for me. Told what to do, where to go, what to think. I, I could go down this rabbit hole for a long time, but let's get back to schools. So as a mom, as someone who's studying uh, public sector teachers unions, and you've followed everything that's gone on the past 18 months, what are your hopes for the remainder of this school year? And what do you think that listeners need to know about our work moving forward as it relates to public education? Yeah. So first of all, I, I feel very hopeful because like I mentioned at the beginning, the pandemic revealed to parents and, and other residents in Illinois, what is standing in the way of their kids getting in school and getting the education that they need throughout this pandemic. And that's the teachers unions. So first of all, just having that light shine on what's going on has been a benefit to Illinoisans, but now it's time to take the next step. And we need residents to urge their lawmakers to pull back on the Illinois laws that allow teachers unions to have outsized power. Um, one example is that teachers have teachers unions have a right to strike. That we that makes us the outlier in the region. None of our surrounding states allow teachers to walk out and go on strike. Um, that's something that we need to see lawmakers pull back on. Um, so you know, telling lawmakers that they need to act on this. Um, is an important next step. And teachers, I will say, you know, if, if they are unhappy with what's going on, they have the additional option of, of opting out of their union and stopping that money, sending the message to the union that with their money, their dues money, I'm not happy with what you're doing. You need to do better. 
I think that's a good closing line. You need to do better. Public schools need to do better for kids, parents, and teachers. And I'm glad that you feel hopeful. I feel hopeful too. I mean, my kids are off to a great start um, for their school year. I know your kids are super busy. Um, And I think people forget, like we're all in this together. We all, to your point earlier, we have a common goal and we just want our kids to get a good education in a safe and nurturing environment. And I think that's the message I, I would end on, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Like as parents, we've been through a lot together in the last year and a half and there is, you know, hope on the horizon. Um, I am so glad that we have, have come together to see our kids, at least in school, in person, uh, this semester. And it gives me hope that we can move forward and continue making sure that our kids are put first in Illinois. Well, Miley, thank you so much. I can't wait to see uh, the research that you've got coming up here in the next few months and you just do great work. So thanks for sharing a lot about what you think on this issue. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit illinoispolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.